October 2018, the Miami News Time Herald revealed leaked messages from a Turning Point USA group connected to the Florida International University with Pepe memes that said grapple Latinas and deport them. Just avoid saying the N-word and don't reference Richard Spencer too much and don't Jew hate all the time. Oh, my God. They talked a lot about optics because after um, he spoke, Brandon Tatum, he had, you know, he had a Q&A for about 20 minutes. He had like six or seven questions. And then there was like a line of people going up to ask him questions. I was like the last person to get an interview mm-hmm. with him. There was another CM Life reporter there. And every question that he got from like kids that went up there that were like supportive of him, they were like asking him questions like, hey, thanks for coming. It was always, how do I talk to liberals without getting like caught? Like, how do I get them? Like, how they get us? Oh, and I like hate, every single I hate question, conversing with people like that. And I thought it was really funny because Brandon Tatum talked about how you know he has black privilege and how. <laughs> oh and no, my no, god! He went into this thing about how. Um, he went into this thing about how I can say anything I want about black people because I'm black. Because he's black. But you, as and you know, the kid he was talking to was a white everybody kid. Everybody there is white, I imagine. Almost everybody. And he was like, but you, you know, you can't say anything you want to. And like that, that's my black privilege. And I was just like, man, that is such a that's that so is dumb. such a conveniently optical way to, you know, maneuver the the, the, the conversation. Uh, uh, my name's Jeremy Augusta, and welcome to In It Together. I'm joined by my host Brent. I am Brent Gunn, and uh, I saw TPUSA at uh, an event a couple nights ago. Yeah, so Turning Point USA had an event at CMU, and Turning Point USA, I don't even know what to call them. They're like they're, a student. They're a, they're they're like a political an, action committee. But they're like an uh, alternative Republican student organization? Um, A little alt-lighty. Alt-light is the way I've heard yeah, them Indulging describe. in the alt-right, like, slightly, but I, I consider them a bit more alt-light. And their founders, Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens, are definitively alt-right. I, I kind of consider them more alt-light, but, I mean, it's a bit more of a semantic thing because they're both kind of... It's, like, a very slight, um, like, contextual difference between the two. But Yeah. Uh, they've also had a string of uh, racist, Islamophobic, and... Um, hateful things that have come out uh, that they published. But um, let's talk about this event specifically. I ripped the poster off the wall um, that says hashtag walk away, Turning Point USA at CMU, Branding Tatum presenting. Um, so when I saw this poster, I did not think, I looked at it really quickly, and I didn't think that this was a Turning Point USA thing because of this blurb, and it was different. It was changed from the way hashtag walk away is usually used by Turning Point USA. So hashtag walk away is a hashtag that was popularized on Twitter to try and provoke black people to stop being Democrats. Yeah. And it was really condescending. Turning Point USA has kind of become a joke of an organization. Um, there's so many people or there's such ludicrous things that they make that are just so unbelievably stupid and uninformed and wrong. And I will say that uh, Turning Point USA is a joke of an organization that just doesn't really do anything productive for anybody. Uh, and its members are like anywhere from just like not knowing anything about politics or just super alt-right. Like it, this is a ludicrous organization that is beyond memeing almost. After this event, um, it was kind of just a surreal experience in a lot of ways. It wasn't like intimidating or worrying because I had a long conversation with Brandon Tatum after the event. And I, I, I wrote one of my friends, uh, we, we, we talk a lot about politics, and the way I described the entire event was uh, 
quote, I'm quoting myself here, it was <laughs> organized, effective incompetence. Okay, that's a very good and way what I mean it. by that is they had organization, meaning you know, they, the, the event got set up, they had people come in, you know, they had flyers set up, they had you know, Brandon Tatum, who is the director of urban engagement for Turning Point USA, who was appointed that position by Candace Owens, um, who was a, a friend of his apparently before she was even involved with Turning Point USA, because I, I got an interview with him, I got a few questions with him. And it's effective because as you would watch Brandon Tatum speak, and he only spoke for about 35 or so minutes. Yeah, um, didn't you say he showed up late as well? He showed up late. He's like, I think he missed his flight or something. <laughs> so, um, but when he spoke, n nothing really stuck out to me as like a really unique idea. There was nothing I hadn't really heard before. Mm -hmm. Meaning like if you've been on like a Facebook comment thread mm -hmm. that's dealing in politics, you've probably heard his speech just in fragments. That you know? is the tier of contribution and intelligence I put with Turning Point USA's Facebook comment section. But when you would see him communicate to the people in that room, they, it, 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 they, their heads would just nod. I mean, I, I saw this one girl start snapping her fingers. Oh like, my God. Uh, it was, I hate it, the it snapping was, when liberals do it. It's even worse when conservatives do. Yeah. It's even worse when corn cobs do it. <laughs> um, but so there, there was a lot of this kind of rallying and, and there was a lot of victimization I noticed in the room mm -hmm. because it was very much so about um, we as you know Republicans on campus were put into this kind of submissive position, and you know we're only taught one side of history, we're only taught one side of the argument. I really am curious, like what that other side that they think that we're neglecting is. You know, like like if yeah. if they had free range to teach what they think is like the other side, I'm just really curious. Like, would it be like? The Civil War wasn't about slavery, or it would be like wrong. The, 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 the <laughs> U.S. The, the U.S. is the country that won World War II, like single-handedly. Like, single-handedly, mm -hmm. you know, very, very effective, and um, incompetent because when you actually get a second to speak to the people that are like involved with Turning Point USA, and you try to ask them very kind of like you try to follow them up on on the points that they laid in their speech you try to have a very kind of like deeper policy argument or mm -hmm. deeper kind of economic or uh, political argument the conversation gets halted to a point like once once it goes beyond the facebook comment thread yeah you can't really have a debate because and it wasn't really even a, a debate before i started talking to him he was like man i love talking to people who disagree with me i love getting questions from you know, reporters that disagree. And I was just like, oh, that's good. I'll, I'll give you some hardballs. You know, we had a pretty nice conversation, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't heated or anything. Um, and I think he would attest to that too. Yeah. So, you know, but as I was asking him questions, it was clear that this guy, th th this guy came to give his speech. And I think the extent of his knowledge about politics is the speech he gives every night. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I don't know how anybody, regardless of your political affiliation, I don't know how a serious person who is legitimately into politics looks at Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens and all of the racist things that they've said. And if you don't believe me, there's a great um, concise list of times that Turning Point USA has been horrible on ADL.org. Um, but I don't know how somebody looks at the history and the god-awful memes that Turning Point USA tries to make and goes, that is an organization I would like to be a part of. I want to talk to students who are part of Turning Point USA. If you're somehow listening to this and you're part of Turning Point USA, please message me on Facebook um, because I would love to just pick your brain. And like Everyone was very nice, almost too nice. It's like once I showed up, it's like they knew. It's like they knew that I was a usurper. You were like uh, when a 
parent goes in <clears throat> to like an elementary school classroom. It's like undercover like, cop. Be on your best behavior. Yeah. Undercover cop. Undercover yeah, boss. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of undercover cop, there were, I believe there was about four or five police at the event. And Did when they I showed up. protesters? I think that's what they were expecting, but no one. Nobody gives a shit protested. about Turning Point USA. <laughs> that, 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 that's what I thought was really funny because when I, when I showed up to the event, I bumped into a buddy who I thought was going to the event, and I saw some police heading in the general direction. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, God, if there's already protests, I'm going to get, like, a bunch of footage. And nope, the, the cops essentially just, like, kind of lingered around and, mm-hmm. you know, waited for a problem, which never happened. But I, I just thought that was a really, I don't know, I, that, that was just a really interesting thing to, to see them talk about, like, this this victimization that they're going through, and they have the police right out there just kind of waiting to to protect them from non-existent protests the, re- the reporter who covered this uh excellent job uh beto is now running for president oh god what do you what do you what do you think about that Brent? i didn't i didn't know we were going to talk about this we have to what do you think we have I to talk about, about every democrat when they decide what, what, to what run. do you think i think about this? i think that i think beto wouldn't be relevant if he didn't run against cruz no he would not be that's that's facts like that's just how it is he wouldn't be relevant if he didn't get massive fundraising against Cruz. I honestly have no predictions for what the Democrat midterms are like. Like, I don't have a guy yet. Like, I haven't picked anybody to follow. I don't, like, there's too many people. You're, you're not You're not part of the Yang gang? For me to care. No, I'm not part of the Yang gang. Okay. There's, there's, too, mu- there's too much there for me to give a damn. But, you know, I, I asked Brandon when I interviewed him about uh, the, the 2020 lineup for Democrats so far. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he he basically gave me the answer that you would expect him to give, but he, I I, I tried asking him. I said, you know, let, let, let me ask you this question. This can be off the record. I, I won't include this. I just want it like a personal question. Mm-hmm. I said, how do you respond to someone like me, a person who I think people should leave the Democratic Party? Black people should probably leave the Democratic Party for a better political option. I don't think that answer is the Republican Party or whatever. Olive Brandon Tatum clearly does think that the answer well, is the yeah, Republican yeah, clearly Party. he does. But um, I asked him, like, what, what's your response to someone like me who is on the left who says, yeah, I think people should leave the Democratic Party. But I feel like um, that the principles inherent to leftism and liberalism are so, like, opposed to each other that you can't make that jump. And when you try having that conversation with him, you know, he immediately went to, you know, well, I mean, there's people in politics right now like AOC, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. Who, and he he described her as a radical socialist, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I tried telling him, I was like, you know, I, I'm just kind of trying to give you like some some peace of mind, like as as a socialist, like <laughs> she's not, they're not. I'm just trying to give you peace of yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know you, exactly so, what you mean. Because they had this giant socialism sucks poster. And I'm just like, what's the point in going around the country arguing about something that you're either not even fully aware of or that isn't really even what you're arguing against Mm -hmm. it just feels and it feels like that that binary debate just gets continued and continued by these groups like tpusa and there's one last thing i really want to touch on with the whole walk away thing you know it's similar to the blexit thing you know candace owens that's her another one of her hashtags the black exit which we can talk about brexit a little bit later yeah i would love to talk about brexit walk away is supposed to be more so focused on black individuals leaving the Democratic Party. But on this poster that was all over CMU, yeah. uh, the walk away is branded as just a very um, uh, gr- uh, vague um, expression against, you know, intolerance, hate. Uh, it's, it's about walking away from bigotry, mm-hmm. you know, just these vague things anyone would like agree with. But when you show up, I, I feel like I, I'm not going to 
like go on record and say this is fact. I'm almost curious if it was consciously rebranded. Yeah, I would speculate that because the name was actually changed. Oh, okay. It did change the name of the event. I would speculate that the copy that's on this poster and the way that they've advertised it was specifically in awareness of the events that have transpired at CMU and because of those things. Um, did the context of the event change? It sounds like it didn't. No, no, because he he went right, like one of his first things was the reason why I left the, Democra the Democratic Party is, you know, they've gotten so crazy and blah, 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 and, you know, Antifa super soldiers, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I it, still love the Antifa super soldiers thing. It's one of my favorite internet memes. But it very quickly went into, you know, all my life I was raised that if you're a black person, you're supposed to be a Democrat. And, you know, the, he it was very clearly the talk was centered on that. But I just noticed that, you know, there there were like some black people at the event. And once he got to those talking points where he was explicitly being pro-police, where he was explicitly making a, you know, an anti-Black Lives Matter type argument, mm -hmm. I'd see like the four of five black people that were in attendance just leave slowly and slowly. And I feel like it's because maybe they walked in thinking like, oh, here's here's a, uh, you know, Brandon Tatum, this black mm -hmm. man who's, who's going to tell me about walking away from bigotry and stuff. That sounds cool. I'm going to go check that out. And at the very bottom, you see TPUSA. Yeah, and then hashtag <laughs> big gov sucks. Yeah, so I feel like the average person probably didn't see that yeah. little thing. And then they show up, and this they, they're like, all right, I, I'm, I'm probably out. I went into it just curious of what it would be like, and it was phrased as a battle. The, the speech was phrased that, like, we're in a, a battle, like, you know, the culture war, I, I hate, war, war bullshit. I hate that. Yeah, yeah, but you should really look at these groups for what they are. I mean, sure, they, they, they can exchange very dangerous ideas but um i don't think that we should necessarily fear these types of groups well, i think that we should yeah. look at them for what they are we should uh, maybe attempts at propaganda i mean this is a this is political action yeah this is political action and i the last thing i want to ask is you know the the effective uh, incompetence organized effective incompetence you know i asked brandon tatum during my interview what he thought about donors for TPUSA. And I asked him about, you know, the Koch brothers and PragerU, which, you know, he mentioned PragerU in his talk. He you should know. know a lot about them. He, he appealed to the authority of PragerU in, oh, in his talk. He said God. even PragerU's talked about this, this, oh, this stat before. <laughs> even so clearly Prager it's true. U. Even they've talked about it. Wow. And I asked him, you know, because he talked about how, you know, turning point that we're not pro, we're not pushing, saying you should be a Republican or a Democrat, you know. And I asked they him, are. like, so what, what do you think about that that predominantly GOP donor base that you get that you receive? And he said, well, I don't know who donates to us. Which you should probably do if you work for an organization. And you it should probably like know if you're making the big argument that, you know, uh, uh, the Democratic Party is ran by donors who want to uh, instrumentally change the social cohesion of the country. I'll, I'll leave off on it's this. It's just a lot of projection. If, if you're a member of Turning Point USA and you're going to make propaganda, at least make it good. Or come talk to us. Or come talk to us. By yeah, all I, means, I, I, would I would love to have a conversation. Love, love it. Um, okay, so now that every single Democrat is running for 2020, I'd like to use my platform. I'm running. I, I am actually going to use this to announce my candidacy for 2020. Um, I'm running on the platform of getting rid of the penny, getting rid of daylight savings time, and getting rid of time zones. So, oh, that that is from some TV show. Between those three things, I know that's a reference. I think it, I, it's, I'm not. Something. It's not a reference. I, I legitimately want to get rid of those three things. Um, <laughs> but like, yet yeah, 2020s a shit show, and every single Democrat ever is running. Um, I 
I'm kind of burnt out on 2020 already. <laughs> I, I, just I, so I am much. too. There's so many people. Because I, I'm still unconvinced so far. I mean, I'm, I'm even, even with Bernie in, I'm still a little bit like I feel like Trump's got it so far. It was a big uh, week for Bernie news. He, I saw a picture of him getting stitched up while he was giving a speech. Are you familiar with that? No. I don't know why I didn't read the article. I also saw that his campaign unionized. Oh, really? They're the first ca- uh, political campaign to unionize. So Bernie's getting his name in the news, which okay, is okay. good. Um, I think Beto's going to be a flop, circling oh, back to that. fully. Beto, Beto is 100% going to be a flop because Beto, he he represents that, like, that nice middle of the road, like, let's just try to work with everybody. And, and it's, it's that very, like, naive... Hey, let's just have a conversation. Just like, sit like my, down. my my friends described him as the white Obama, or I guess the whiter Obama. That makes sense. Um, and I mean, in a lot of ways, he is a, a kind of like safe retreat into the the Obama years. That mm-hmm. they that's really what the Democratic Party wants. We just want they want to just hit Obama. the reset button, act like none of none of the Trump years even happened. We just go back to that kind of like zombified. They'd uh, like d- to Democratic redo platform. all the things that Trump has undone. Yeah, but they also want to replace it with that very like malleable centrism that Obama had in place. That was very it was it was very beneficial for them. So Beto, he's not going to get anywhere. No. I mean, I honestly I can see Yang getting far more I don't know traction because he's going to be on the debates. He will be. He recently got enough. We talked about Yang last week. He wanted the um, universal basic income. We can talk about last week towards the end of the episode because I'd like to. Go yeah, I'd over. like to talk about universal basic income yeah. a little bit because that's a that's something I've been reading a bit more on. Uh, with regards to Brexit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for now, I do want to talk about Brexit a lot. Yeah, because I've, I've been following Brexit a lot more because it's just, it, it, it is such a There's a uh, dumpster a fire show. rolling down the street that just says Brexit on it. I love watching Parliament. It's like how people watch the WWE. Parliament's great. I like, it's so aggravating. I can't imagine being a British person and listening to the Tories. I can't I can't imagine being a like I know I get irritated by like Republicans. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how just nihilistically angry. Tories I would are the be British Republicans. Against Tories. Yeah, Tories system. are essentially the, the And the they were pro Brexit, which is Brexit yeah. leaving the European Union. But they're they're pro them leaving the, the European Union. But they don't have that backup plan. So now what they're, there's this big conflict between, you know, the pro-leave and the pro-remain. And like here's, here, here's just one little dichotomy I want to, like, just put there out there. There are people that are supportive of leaving the European Union that aren't crazy. There are plenty of people out there that are supportive of leaving the European Union that do it for good reasoning. Mm-hmm. There are people that want to do it. So that workers can maintain their rights. I mean, there's workers in countries like Poland that'll get screwed over by the European Union because when they go to go work in, you know, the UK or something, they have they're they're you know, there's that um I can't remember this specific economic phrase, but there is like a dissonance in the wages that they would receive in one place versus the other. Okay. So there are economic interests that those countries would have for seeking independence from the European Union. But the Tories branded their leaving as we need to leave because the European Union overregulates us to not be able to control our immigration. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is we need to leave the European Union so we can make our own laws and we can, you know, have Britain be truly independent. Britain but, for the English or something like that. England for the English, something like that was. The yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and when when they voted in 2016, you know, it passed 
by about like a half a percent or one percent, which is well within the margin of error. And they, 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 that was the vote to like the motion to leave. They didn't Mm -hmm. leave right then, but that was the motion saying like, all right, we're, we're going to take the next step forward. Mm -hmm. But in the year since 2016, they haven't found an effective or, or, or a competent plan to make sure that Britain won't fall to complete economic destitution if they leave. There is no possible circumstance for Brexit to happen. And I'll break this down. At least not how it's currently yeah, yeah. like argued. So there are three things that England wants. They want, or there are three possibilities, I'll say. There's clean Brexit, which is what was promised by the Tories. There's a meh Brexit, where it's just a Brexit in name, and then there's no Brexit. Yeah. The clean Brexit is impossible because Britain wants, um, one of the reasons that Brexit was so popular is because of immigration. And Britain has okay. So Northern Ireland is a little bit of I Ireland. I was just about to on, bring up Northern Ireland. Island. Yeah, and May has promised that there will be no border between Northern Ireland and the rest of Ireland. That that is a promise because right now there's free movement between those two countries. That is a promise that has been made. If Brexit were to happen, there has to be a border, but there's just nowhere to put it. Like you can't put the border on Northern Ireland and regular Ireland because. There are families on either side of that, and that's been a promise that's been made. Well, it, it would force Northern Ireland to be completely independent, or it would have to force Irish unification. Yeah, which are two things that England does not want. Well, the the reason why, I mean, you followed the the, the troubles, yeah, and and the Good Friday Agreement. You know, the reason why some why the Irish are so like hesitant about Brexit is because. You know what Tony Blair did, and you know Tony Blair is a piece of shit by all means. But what he did with the Good Friday Agreement, um, it did give stability to Ireland. You know, and I think that there is still a possibility of Irish unification. I think that if Northern Ireland, if if Northern Ireland were put into the position where they had to decide between complete independence, joining Britain, which they would probably do if enough unionists like got out there and vote. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that could be a possibility, but I think Irish unification would probably be more likely because I don't think the unionist push in Northern Ireland is as strong uh, as it used to be. I think that those numbers yeah. have been dropping steadily and steadily. So like the, the years ever since 2016, it's been phrased as this, you know, we, we need to have independence in Britain so we can make our own laws and our own kind of like manifest destiny in a weird way. So... And, you know, it, that was mirrored with all like the really harsh anti-immigrant sentiment. And now that there hasn't been a deal, the big argument between Labour and the Tories essentially is we don't have a deal on the table. We either need to just like completely back away from this or we can have another vote to let the people like decide again, given the the, the current circumstances, Mm -hmm. like like a consent vote. That's that's how I was hearing it be described. And the Tories are phrasing as, oh, no, that 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 goes against the will of the people because they already voted to leave Brexit. So we should just leave. They voted three years ago. We should they voted the idea of leaving. Mm-hmm. They didn't vote to just leave in that moment. And yeah. the Tories continually uh, brand it that way. And they brand any opposition to them as, you know, uh, uh, usurping democracy and stuff. The Tories are just it's it's. It's stomach churning hearing hearing their arguments sometimes because it's just so asinine. Well, they've kind of been floundering ever since David Cameron left and since Brexit because David Cameron knew that Brexit, their last prime minister, knew that Brexit was going to be it. Yeah, everybody knew that 
it, nobody expected Brexit to actually happen, and then when it did happen, nobody knew where to go. So, and, then, and then UKIP's completely fallen apart, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, the EU actually put out, the EU chief negotiator put out a PowerPoint slide explaining why no deal has been reached. So it kind of breaks down the tiers of relationship that the European Union has with countries outside of it. So countries like Norway um, are part of the they're part of the European economic zone, which England doesn't want to be a part of because to be part of that, you need to let the EU have some say in your laws. Um, they also uh, could be the same tier as Switzerland because Switzerland has free movement with the European Union, but England doesn't want that. So they're let's move down a tier. They could be the same status as Ukraine, uh, which Ukraine does allow the EU in for some regulations. They don't want to be a part of that, so England has to go down a step. Uh, the EU and Turkey have a trade policy that they consult on, but again, that would violate England wanting to have some to have say over its trade. This this PowerPoint basically breaks down every single country in the world's relation with the European Union and why Britain, um, if because of Britain de Britain's demands, the only possible solution is no break or is no deal. Yeah. Um. So, the options are. Brexit doesn't have like I don't I, I can't possibly see Brexit happening, especially because uh, Parliament just recently approved an extension on the negotiating time because the deadline for this negotiation to be up is approaching and there's no possible deal. Yeah, um, I, I think no deal is going to be reached. The right in Europe is going to try to use this as an opportunistic uh, time to protest and say, oh, the government didn't support the will of the people. Mm -hmm. They'll try to do like a faux yellow vest thing, and then they'll try to create a double standard of, well, see, people were supportive of the French protests against the government that are not supportive of ours because ours are more right-leaning. And I can already see that debate happening because I don't think Brexit's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't. I didn't really think it was going to happen this entire time. Mm -hmm. It seemed just, I don't know. It, 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 it never seemed to get, get going. And I mean, thankfully, but... Uh, yeah, it's if... It's definitely a good thing. I, I, w I think Brexit is kind of ridiculous. Um, and I, it was founded, the, the whole Brexit movement was kind of founded on misinformation. Yeah, so that a, is true. a lot of the people who were pro-Brexit who were putting money into it got fined because they promoted misinformation. I think if there, it's, it's possible that there's a second Brexit vote if uh, Labour wins this next upcoming election. Um, then they could do another Brexit vote, and I guarantee that second vote, Brexit would be voted down. And they could say, oh, yeah. look, people didn't actually want Brexit. They, now that they know what it is and they know what the England leaving, the United Kingdom leaving the European Union is a bad thing. I don't think Jeremy Corbyn has expressed interest in leaving the European Union, no, unfortunately. But I, I think that would be actually really interesting if he did propose it from a from their, their like position, from a more labor position. Yeah. I If... If I lived in England, I would be so against Brexit. Like, as a young person living in England, the freedom of movement around Europe, um, like, being able to work anywhere in Europe, being able to go to school anywhere in Europe, like, those things are so, such great incentives that would make me want to stay. And young people did vote to stay. It was it was mostly older people who voted to leave. Um, and Scotland actually overwhelmingly voted to stay in England because yeah. if they yeah. left the European Union... Then there's been some Scottish independent movement, and they might not be able to get into the EU. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if Scotland goes behind England's back and says, "Hey, if if we leave, like if Brexit happens and we declare independence, 
um, will we be part of the European Union? And it's possible. Like, there's a ton of oil in Scotland. They're economically feasible. And the independence movement in Scotland has been growing rapidly over the past decades. Can the Brits just not, like, mess this up? You know, the Brits are always just messing everything they up. They really are sticking their noses over. everywhere. They are. I mean, for I, I think this is kind of like them being like, you know what? We're just going to go in our corner and just leave everybody alone. This now. is like I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The you know what? <laughs> Split, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, if, if, if the Tories all just like maybe set up their own little island somewhere, that would be better. <laughs> they do. They can go to the Falklands. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, it's Argentina's. We should probably touch on New Zealand a little bit. Oh, yeah, we can talk about the um, I've just been seeing a lot of people online talk about, you know, this manifesto that was released by the shooter. There was a shooting at the Christchurch Mosque in New Zealand. I was kind of, I was a little bit surprised that it took place in New Zealand. Looking into the manifesto, there, there's a lot of things about it that are very troubling. There's a lot of things about it that are like expected to be seen in there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm skeptical of, because what happens in these events is, you know, this, this guy's come out, he, there's evidence that he's like this like crazy white nationalist terrorist figure. Mm -hmm. And you know, he left behind this manifesto outlining his plans. He apparently loves people like Candace Owens of Turning yeah, Point USA. in his manifesto. Yeah, um, mentioned her in the manifesto. Uh, he said that Trump from a policy position is terrible, that he does, doesn't agree with him from policy, but uh, in the respect of, I, I believe it's like defending white identity or maintaining it, he thought he was, you know, essential. So... When you get this information out there, when the media gets this information out there, I'm always worried because that camp of people that already hate the media and that camp of people that are maybe prone to committing acts like that, they're going to see that information and they're going to create that narrative of, well, of course, the media is going to say they found a manifesto. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, the media is going to try to paint this as some white extremist. You know, the 2020 elections coming up, they're trying to make you know, Trump look bad. They're trying to make all, yeah. And it, and it almost feels like we're trapped. It feels like, it feels like all the evidence in the world, it doesn't matter. Cause facts, like I, I was watching this, uh, ContraPoints. She, she, she was on vice. They, mm -hmm. they did like a, a piece on her and she said, people don't care about facts. They care about their experience and they'll, they'll shape it from that. You could yeah, prove to absolutely. someone something empirically till the cows come home. But if they really believe it, if they really have that experiential reasoning for it, they're going to hold on to that. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like you could put it in people's faces like, here's the manifesto. This guy was racist. You know, there's blah, a blah, video blah. of it that was circulating YouTube. I could not find it during my cursory search. But he also shouted out PewDiePie saying subscribe to PewDiePie, um, which is a it's a meme like yeah. subscribe to PewDiePie. Well, he was apparently posting on 4chan and A-chan like leading up and like like documenting what he was going to do like at like before the shooting and mm -hmm. people were like at like do it do it do it like egging him on yeah. apparently that that's just what i've heard and uh but i the 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 thing i'm worried about is like we're trapped because it's like well what exactly do we do because i feel like by analyzing something like the manifesto and trying to analyze this as white terrorism which it it is it is like right wing terrorism it's only going to continue to mobilize these people that are antagonistically opposed to the media and opposed to any kind of institution against those things because they have it in their minds that, you know, there is this grand conspiracy and this is just a piece of the puzzle. So it's like, like, what, what, what do we do? Should we, should we not cover these things? Should we not talk about the manifesto? Should we not talk about 
the issue of like growing right wing terrorism or, or insurgency. What exactly should we do? And then at the same time, I don't think that we should cower and not talk about these things because we're worried that it'll just, you know, it'll set off some base that we may or may not know about. Because at the same time, we can't just ignore it because we're worried about, you know, the uh, impacts uh, of covering it or, or, or upsetting people or, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's just like we're we're in this really weird place in, in America and in media right now where it feels like we're constantly just throwing fuel onto the fire no matter what we do. And it just feels like it's just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Well, what one thing that stood out to me in this is that I could not find his face or his name. No media outlet other than Fox News reported his face or name. Tucker Carlson on his show did both. But that was the only way I could find out his face and name. But I, I think that's kind of the middle ground to aim for is don't show these names. Because sometimes when people do this, they say that their goal is to get their face on TV and their goal is to be is to or be get their idea. From, out yeah, there. to get their idea out there. I think you should say that they had a manifesto and maybe even put out details about it because it gives people something to look for, like something to say oh, okay, so these are the patterns that we should look for when we identify people who do this. Yeah. And I, I think that's the right way to do it. I don't think you should show their name and face, and I think that's a very clear line that is definitely a good thing to do is not to show their name and face. I, I was watching CBS, and they they had, like, you know, printouts of the manifesto, and I, I agree. I think it would be really interesting sometimes to have the manifesto brought out, but maybe have it analyzed by someone who is an expert in, you know, hate speech or an expert in like, you know, political radic- radicalism. Yeah, radicalism. Don't just have the news you know, commentator, the news commentator read it verbatim and mm-hmm. be like, you know, this stuff is just crazy yeah. because what that does is that's going to reach that 21 year old, you know, slowly radicalizing white guy. Mm-hmm. who's going to be like, see, they're on the news saying that ideas like this are crazy. They're trying to tell you that like, you know, they're, they're going to look for those, Hold on. I feel like a lot of media right now is a little bit self unaware of just exactly how things get processed. No, the media unself aware. Well, I mean, I know it's a little bit non controversial, but I think, it, like, especially nowadays, sometimes I'm just shocked because it feels like just this lack of awareness. Yeah. And, and I feel like if I was in a newsroom or something, I would be like, we are doing something radically different from, from how we are. And like, we're covering something or analyzing it in a, in a very different way. And I, I'm curious if that would potentially see any any difference in in if these crimes happen i'm not saying that the media is to blame or anything like that that that's that's ridiculous but um there, there's some something has to change and i feel like one piece of that puzzle has to be how we analyze these crimes through our media because this shooting seems very different to me in the way it was covered and the way i learned about it but i'm wondering if that's just happenstance considering the way that my way I look at media and the way I use the internet has changed. Um, but it seemed like it wasn't being covered that much. Maybe it's cause it wasn't in America, but I, I did not like if there was a shooting in America, I get like, everybody's asking me about it. Yeah. And it's, it's weird to me that this didn't get as much press, I guess. I, I, I guess in my opinion, I, I just had a different experience because to me, like I went on to YouTube and like three in the morning because mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep and it was like the first video I found oh, wow. and I found a bunch of news sources. So I, I just immediately like stumbled onto mm. it and dug into it. But usually I mean, the only place I find something is there's a Reddit mega thread on the top. You're just on Reddit all the time. That's pretty, <laughs> Reddit is the only website I really go on. Um, and even um, that's 
greatly constrained on what it shows me and what it does not. I, I had a friend say the world would probably be better if uh, 4chan and 8chan just rid themselves of the planet, if we just didn't have those sources. And I well, think yeah, that, definitely. I think the world would probably be at least like slightly better without those two sources. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been on 4chan. I will not go on 8chan. Oh, they're, they're, they're both, uh, they're fun when you're like 14 for sure. I, yeah. yeah, when I was 14, I did not. I was playing Call of Duty. I didn't give a shit about 4chan <laughs> or 8chan. I didn't even know. I was scared to go on, to log on to 4chan. I thought it could give me a virus. Mods are asleep. So do you want to talk about UBI a little bit? Because we talked about Andrew Yang last week on the podcast, and I haven't changed my opinion on it. <laughs> but the universal basic income... It's $1,000. He's proposing $1,000 mm-hmm. for uh, anyone over the month? age of 18. It's $1,000 a month. Okay. So it's $12,000 a year base minimum income for people. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind this is that this is supposed to give everyone like a base starting level to give them like a starting place to economically invest or economically like be a part of the market. Because mm-hmm. most people, you know, when they turn 18 – they kind of start usually at point zero, zero and yeah. they have to accumulate debt to start making money and, and then, then they have to start paying at off that 22, debt. 22, they're negative 75,000. Exactly. So the idea of like a universal basic income, I'm not going to say it's a good idea because in, in my heart of hearts, I don't really think it's a good idea. I don't really think it's, I think it's a Band-Aid. I think it's something that would, because I, I feel like there would just be too many loopholes out of it. I feel like there would be some there there would be some way that like renters would find a way to, I don't know, up their rates or something. Or like how exactly would income based housing work under that system? Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm always just skeptical of that. But the thing that I'm curious about with him is it's like he supports universal basic income and he supports the the automation of jobs, and you know it's it's because of that thing that we talked about last week with that idea that well, the jobs are just going to get outdated or, or, you know, automated out of existence. So we need to have that, that, you know, base for people. Let me ask you a question. And this is just rhetorical. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. Do you think that providing people with that base level income every single month, do you think that that would give people the, 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 the requirements to make society more equal today? I mean, like, let, let's just say a hypothetical. Let's say, okay. let's say tomorrow, everyone started getting a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. like over the age of eighteen. So everyone had that base level twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Do you think that that would be enough of an economic incentive to like kind of level the playing field, theoretically enough? No, because uh, I think everybody right now who has any student loans would immediately put it towards that. And it's at an amount where it's a big impact, but it's not life-changing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of questions about what his plan is because I don't know a ton about it. But if every single person in the United States gets an extra $1,000, that's not doing anything for equality, right? I mean, not really because what it's basically doing is it's just... It's it's changing zero from zero to $1,000 a month. Yeah. And I I guess the thing I'm just curious about is it's like, well, you know, the average person is going to, I mean, okay, if I got an extra thousand dollars right now, that's going in the bank and Mm -hmm. I'm maybe touching $10 of it for a meal. Mm -hmm. 
there's going to be so many people that go out and just blow that money. There, there's yeah. going to be PPP people when they get that allocation from the government, which, I mean, again, that would be paid for through taxes. Or, I mean, and if it wasn't paid through taxes, we'd have to cut military. We'd have to we'd have to do something to allocate those funds because $12,000 a year for every U.S. citizen there's what, over 18. Three and a half. That has to be billions million and billions people? of dollars, yeah. trillions of dollars. A lot of money. Um, that would that would essentially mean that we would have to economically overhaul the entire system to main to ensure that everyone at least made twelve thousand dollars a year. And my my question is, I mean, do you think that that would radically change society to make sure that people are 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 happier and have more economic well being, or do you think that do you think that free health care do you think that free college? I think there are a lot of that... better ways okay. and cheaper ways to improve life for a lot of people. I think that investing in universities and in subsidized colleges is a much more effective way to set up young people for being successful and economically viable. Yeah, because I, I think that Andrew Yang's big problem is or that healthcare. he's supportive of placing the burden onto the individual. He's saying if we give the individual the funds, they're going to be able to allocate it where it needs to go and climb the ladder and make the system work for them because now they have that base level assistance. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm saying if you change the environment to be more uh, – to be engineered in a way that's, that, that works for the greatest number of people, that would be ideal. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? The way I look at it – I mean like 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 like, like 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 removing gerrymandering, removing – um, uh, a school of choice, removing you know, charter schools, getting mm -hmm. rid of those things. Those things would definitely help. I look at it uh, a little more negatively in the way that humans are failable and they're instinctive and they're impulsive. So I think there's a lot of people, if you gave them $1,000 every month, they'd be like, oh, shit, I'm going on vacation. Or like, I'm going to GameStop. I'm going to, ga I'm going to go get every game. I think... There's a lot of people who would do that, and I think that's a bad way to do it. Or may maybe it could work like um, food stamps work. Like you can only use food stamps on certain foods, or you can only use um, like government money for food on certain foods. You can't right, just spend it right. all on junk food. Yeah, That seems like a good threshold to put it in, but I think if we made healthcare universal, if we made college cheaper, that's a much better way to invest in your economy and to invest in your country than just giving people money. George Bush did something where he gave every American like $500 to stimulate the economy. Yeah. It didn't do shit. It didn't work because people threw it in their bank accounts because we were in a recession or they spent it on, on groceries or their car payment. And it's $500. It's $500. So and one, one the other thing I want to ask you is when Andrew's on, when, when Yang is on the debate stage, mm -hmm. remember when like Bernie was, was on the, the, the debate stage at first with Hillary and when he was kind of, I think, O'Malley was still on stage. And I remember. And there was uh, some general or something whose tie was too tight. Oh, that guy's face stressed me out. Yeah, it that looked guy. like his <laughs> his neck was going to burst. He looked like the, the CEO button. from Monsters, Inc. He just needed to unbutton the top button. He would have been fine. I know. Any, his anyway, neck. It was let, like Let's like say the, what the, we need to say and not talk about this side, politician's just rolling neck. over. Anyway. But um, he's like the mayor of Baltimore or something. Like when when Bernie when Bernie brought up like you know the one percent stuff when he brought up free healthcare, those seemed to be things that just immediately resonated with people once he said them on the the, the the debate stage. Do you think that if Andrew Yang goes up there and makes his point about UBI or makes his point about automation, that that's going to have that permeating effect 
I think the automation one does because that's that, something that, that all so. Americans more are worried so. about. Yeah. The universal basic income in the way that he proposes it will not because it's just nonsensical almost like giving everybody in America a thousand dollars. It's not going to work. And like we talked about, it doesn't fix everybody's problems and it doesn't, there are more efficient ways to use the government's money than to just flat out give everybody a thousand dollars. It's a ridiculous idea, but the place it's coming from the place of automation is inevitable that we debated last week. Yeah. I think that's an area that a lot of Americans recognize that's a great uh a talking point absolutely sure. but you should not use that to transition into if you want to be elected president of the united states you should not use that to transition into this my theory is that yang doesn't really want to be president he wants to get into politics and yeah. that this is his way of doing it yeah i, th I, th I think that's a good take that's probably a pretty accurate take mm -hmm. okay this has been in together thank you guys so much for listening